Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. I'm excited for this week's episode of People First because my guest is my friend and colleague, Darren Cantle, who is an executive career coach, combining a passion for developing leaders with deep expertise in the career process and more than 20 years of experience in human resources and talent. He knows people. He's a New Yorker at heart, which I think just means he walks quickly. Um, Darren has a uniquely unapologetic yet compassionate style and an individualized results approach, orientated approach to helping leaders show up as the best versions of themselves at every stage of their career. What I do like, though, is that Darren describes himself as an emotional arborist. He likes Smokey the Bear and believes only you can prevent emotional forest fires. So, Darren, welcome to People First. Thank you. Thank you. That's a very well-written bio. I wonder who wrote that. Well, I hope it was you, but if not, it was me when I'll take credit for it. <laughs> hey, but I'm going to come back to the emotional arborist piece in just a moment, but I'm curious. When you were a wee lad, you're sitting at elementary school, and the teacher said, hey, Darren, hey, Darren, pay attention. What do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? So two two answers. Uh, the the obvious answer was a baseball player, um, but I was not going to be a baseball player. Uh, interesting enough, because I formulated a career in human resources, my grandmother was the personnel manager at my pediatrician's office, and I loved my pediatrician, and so I I wanted to be a doctor. That's what I wanted to be when I was growing up to be a pediatrician. Fair enough. So did you end up studying medicine at all? I mean, how do you make a pivot from wanting to be a pediatrician to now a career coach and human resources professional? No, not at all. Uh, I, I really was not very good at chemistry nor biology. And it became pretty evident in high school that being a doctor was not my path. And so going into college, right, as a 18-year-old kid, uh, my only idea was my dad was an entrepreneur, and so I was like, "I'll go. I'll go after business. I'll be a. I'll be a business major." And interestingly enough, my college was so focused on it had four classes of economics, which was yeah. yawn boring. And uh, <laughs> um, but being in business was 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 that what I enjoyed. You know, I got a chance to work with my dad and took over his business when he passed away, and that was the runway to being an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. So as I shared in the introduction, you describe yourself now as an emotional arborist. And along with Smokey Bear, that only we, I, can prevent emotional forest fires. Tell me, what does that mean? All right. So there's a story here, of course, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for much of my formative years, I exhibited really two emotions, which was happiness and anger. Those closest to me knew that my range was much deeper and wider. But in my immaturity and, and lack of emotional vocabulary, I knew, I knew happiness and anger. That's what I displayed. And it, it became a joke amongst my friends that I was this rock. Like, you can count on me to be happy or angry. And that was it. And fast forward to 2013, I get divorced happily. It's a good thing. I go to therapy because I'm 50% of this equation. And however much I want to blame my ex-wife, I'm still a piece of this pie. And shortly after I started therapy, I cried for weeks. I cried at commercials, at billboards, at songs, driving, sitting, doing nothing. I cried. And I said to my therapist, I think you broke me. 
And she said, no, I didn't break you. You're exhibiting emotions you've held in for a long time. And really what came out was I am an emotional being. I have a wide range of emotions. I just didn't have the vocabulary. So that was the first step towards this emotional arborist. Um, throughout my early career, the emotional forest fires that I would ignite were my emotional outbursts. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is a lot of my actions were to cover up insecurities. And so if I felt challenged in a way, I didn't want to be challenged. If my control was taken away, I puffed up and I got pointed and loud and defensive and accusatory and all these different things. And those are emotional forest fires. Bridges were burned. I had to apologize. I've been let go or fired from jobs. And, um, and it's, it's a difficult place to be. It is. And it's funny, I listened to that story and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we could be twins because as a British woman, certainly as I grew up, um, displaying emotions was not encouraged. And whilst I don't necessarily have the external forest fires that I've created, I certainly know that they were internal. I tamped them down. And in fact, I recently wrote a, a blog post on LinkedIn that I'll put a link to it, but it was called If You Don't Like the Show, Change the Channel because I had that emotional epiphany, the damn wall broke only in fall of last year. And I recount that story in um, that LinkedIn post. So I encourage people to go and have a look because whether we emote them or not, we all are emotional creatures. It's just whether we tamp them down or how we let them out appropriately. So for people listening, I mean, what are the first steps in terms of increasing your vocabulary from you know, the happy to angry spectrum. What advice do you have for us for an even naming, name that emotion? Uh, honestly, a cheat sheet. And I'm happy sharing you, sharing with you my cheat sheet. And it's a pie. And in the middle of the pie is kind of the obvious emotion a lot of us feel, happy, angry, sad. I said angry already, a couple mm-hmm. others. And then it goes out to the secondary and tertiary sides of that, that, uh, that pie to show you, okay, you're angry. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're insecure. Maybe you're all these other things. And I didn't have that vocabulary. And so that's how I started. I looked at the primary in the center and I started moving out and realized like, oh my God, I'm angry because of these other things. So I love that because there are, uh, we're told more than 400 emotions, but we remember the strong ones, the intense ones, and I liken it to angry. So is angry incandescent rage, that's been my latest phrase, or is it miffed? And understanding the degree of anger allows us to think about, and to what reason, why is it? Is it because I feel um, disrespected? Is it because I feel that my voice isn't being heard? Is it disappointed because somebody didn't put their mug in the dishwasher? Yes. And then I can, once I understand the why and what I'm feeling, I can make a choice as to how to respond versus just coming out fight or flight. Yes. And that's the second piece to it mm-hmm. is the emotion is the alert signal. My innate way or my old way was to react as soon as I felt whatever. Like I was angry and then I'm enraged and I'm screaming at somebody. Nowadays, if I'm feeling rage or whatever the emotion may be, that's on the negative side of the spectrum, there's a, there's a pause. Mm -hmm. And then there's a a series of questions in my head, just like you described, like, why do I feel this way? What is happening? Is my body giving me a sensation? Do I know the answer? Am I just feeling annoyed, but don't even know why? And if Mm -hmm. so, what do I do with it? Right. The old way was I would react in it, not in kind. That's what I used to do. And nowadays I pause 
and I communicate with myself and others. I might say, I'm annoyed today. Yeah. So if I act out of character, my not an excuse. It's an acknowledgement that I'm out of character today. So in your work as an executive career coach, I mean, when people are going through a time of transition, whether I'm choosing to leave a career and move to a new role, or it's being foisted on me because I'm being exited from an organization, that's a very emotional roller coaster. So what are your learnings and observations from the leaders that you're working with now as to how to navigate that? You know, interestingly enough, it was kind of what you were saying earlier about, you know, the English way is not to talk about emotions and we tamp it down. And it's it's very similar in corporate America. I mean, I've heard so many times, check your emotions at the door. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's business, it's not personal. Mm -hmm. And I call BS on that, right? If, if you are having a bad morning because your kid had a temper tantrum, you got stuck in terrible traffic, you got a flat tire, you spilled coffee on your shirt, fill in the blank. How do you just turn that off? I don't know that you really can. I couldn't. Now, some people can compartmentalize, and I'm sure we can discuss that. Where I'm going with this is the way it relates to executives trying to up-level or improve upon competencies or in being individuals looking for a new job, it is being aware of how I feel. If I am recognized that I'm the center of my universe, and that's not to be self-centered, even though it is, right? But we see nothing other than through our own eyes and through perspectives, right? If these things make me annoyed or miffed or enraged or extraordinarily happy or fill in the blank, and we're cognizant of the reasons that we feel that way, right now we're looking more clearly. Now we're not tamping things down and bottling up emotions that at some point are going to explode or spill out of our container. Yeah. And so that's the big thing. And I think it's even important, more important now, because that whole myth of leave your emotions at the door, which I agree with you, BS, <laughs> I talk about that in Cultivate, my book, which is business is personal, relationships matter. Yes. Of course, now when we're all working, or many of us are working from home, and it's just a bedroom door or the kitchen door that stands between us and our family, then it's not just the emotions we're bringing into the work meetings and our Zoom calls, but also what's happening in the workday and how do we take them and how does that impact our family, our social, and that part of our lives too. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a, <clears throat> excuse me, that is something that I hear a lot from my clients, which is the dissatisfaction, the lack of fulfillment they have at work bleeds into their personal time. There's a lack of enjoyment in things they've always enjoyed being outside, skiing or snowboarding, riding bikes, exercising, fill in the blank. They're not quite as present with their families. Mm -hmm. And think about all the downstream effects, right? If you're not present with your kids or your family or your loved ones or your friends, right? They start thinking there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And you may, may or may not even realize that you're more reserved or isolated or uh, impatient or not quite as funny as you normally are or, or all those things. That is one of the things that I see most often, and that is relatively unspoken. Okay, I love what you're saying there. And of course, what we've shared is, A, we need to be able to name our emotions. We need to be curious as to why am I feeling it? Why am I feeling joyous today? Or why am I feeling like I'm working through peanut butter and everything's an effort today? <laughs> because then that gives us a choice on how we respond. So what advice would you give to people right now to... To, to be present and centered and channel their emotions in a way that is helpful for them and others? The big thing for me has been the pause. 
And I've gotten this advice so many times in my career because I was the guy that fired off the email when I was pissed because something happened. Mm -hmm. And I had so many managers tell me to pause or to write the email and send it to them or send it to myself or whatever the thing was. The biggest thing is pause, right? Many, many of us are actually pretty aware of, hey, I'm about to lose it or I'm feeling overwhelmed or fill in the blank on the emotion. If we can pause before we take action, if we can use the emotion as an alert signal, kind of like the pain of burning your hand on a hot stove, right? That's the alert signal that it's hot off. If the negative emotion is the pain of the hot stove and we're like, whoa, let me pause before I react. That is the biggest thing. It's very hard. I'm not suggesting it's a simple thing. Yet that is a one piece of advice that has been so ignored early in my career and so um, adopted and accepted now. Mm -hmm. Now, I know one of the tools that you use actively in your coaching practice, and we do too, is positive intelligence. So give us a little bit, what is positive intelligence and how have you found it useful? Positive intelligence is built on the premise or the concept of mental fitness. And in the same way that you exercise your body to become strong, in positive intelligence, we say you have to exercise your brain to be mentally fit. And we define mental fitness as your ability to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than negative outcome. Or, or yeah, but with mindset, sorry, not outcome. The ability to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than negative mindset. Does that mean I have to be little house on the prairie skipping through the daisies glass half full all the time? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Some of my clients will say that. They'll say, I feel like you're just telling me to put on rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. And no, it's not that, right? It's not to suggest that we don't, we as in people who practice positive intelligence or we as humans don't feel negative emotions, don't lose our tempers, don't fill in the blank. What it is saying is that we if we are mentally fit, can overcome some challenges that may otherwise derail us or hijack us and not get hijacked. One of the greatest outcomes that I've had from positive intelligence is what I call the recovery time from hijack to recovery. Mm -hmm. I used to hold grudges. I used to beat myself up for mistakes. I used to berate you for whatever I deemed that you weren't good at. And then that was the story. And that would go on for days sometimes. Today, currently, the time I get hijacked to recovery can be a matter of minutes or hours. It has not been days in well over 12 months. I have not held a grudge for days in over 12 months, where earlier in my life, I would hold it for weeks sometimes. And what I like about what you're sharing with those stories is, my guess is that some of those grudges that you held... You held against me and I had absolutely no idea. Right. Maybe ranting at me. But you're ranting at me in, you know, I'm off screen. You're ranting mm -hmm. at me in your head. You're yes. ranting at me with your significant other or the dog or the cat or anybody who will listen, but you're not sharing it with me. So I'm oblivious. That's right. And then the fact that I'm oblivious the next time you and I are in a meeting together just fuels your inner rage. Because yes. how could I not know? Right. There I am going, everything's great, you know. So how, how do you get to understand then what those saboteurs are and then shorten that time to recovery that you talked about? A difficult question to answer just because there's a lot to it. Um, simplistically, there is a free assessment to identify what we call our saboteurs. 
And these are our derailers. These are the characters that play out in life. Yeah. Things like the avoider. We avoid difficult conversations or uncomfortable situations or even the discomfort of the emotions we feel. Right There is a saboteur called the pleaser. It's the person that says yes to everything and puts themselves second, third, or fourth to everybody else's needs. And at some point, they become resentful. There is one of my top ones, and more I can know one of yours as well, is restless. There is always something better out there. I'm easily distracted. I'm looking at you, but my mind is thinking about something else. These are just some of the, the characters that we call saboteurs. I love they're, them. They're like the little voices in your head, or the little um, uh, icons on your shoulder that can cause us. And I know for my own purposes, you said avoider is one of my top ones. In fact, I don't know if it will show, but I, I scored an 8.8. Hey, a winner here for <laughs> avoider. So I will put the link to the assessment in the show notes so that others can go and look at it. But here's it. Coach me now then, Darren. Now that we know that avoider is my top characteristic, for those listening, what might that look and feel like? And of course, now what do I do with that information? Yeah. My belief and what I coach a lot of my clients on is recognize what you're doing. Name it, as we said earlier, with the emotion. Sit there for as long as you need to sit there and then think about the action you need to take to move. In my coaching, I'm a big fan. I'm a big believer in we need to take action to move. Move from negative emotion, move from negative situations, just move. So the coaching would play out in, in, a, in a sequence of like this, of where do you see the avoider showing up? What is the story you tell yourself, right? Is there a lie you tell yourself like, oh, I'm gonna avoid this difficult conversation because I don't wanna hurt their feelings or I don't wanna sit in my discomfort yeah. or it's easier if I just don't deal with it. And we know typically it's not. It's easier in the moment, but then it lingers. Kind of like the example. The molehill becomes a mountain when we yes. have these tough conversations. And here's the irony: as a, a leadership coach myself, as as somebody who creates programs, teaches others to have effective conversations. Taking my own medicine, it just proves I'm human too. But it it comes to taking my own medicine because it's all of those reasons that you've talked about. I don't want to upset you. Well. Surely Darren knows, he understands, oh, well, maybe it will go away on its own. Yeah, and it doesn't. That's the thing, right? So there's an identification of the situation. There's an identification of what are you telling yourself, which is typically a lie, right? It's, it's, now, with that being said, sometimes it does make sense not to engage in the fight. That's why we say pick your battles, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not always bad, meaning it's not, it's not an always or never. What I like about that, though, is it allows me to let it go. Because mm -hmm. if I'm choosing not to have the conversation, then I can't carry the baggage of Darren's not meeting my expectations because that's a twofer. So if I am going to continue to vent and ruminate on it, then I need to have that conversation. That is right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. There's also an element, and what I say a lot of times is you have to give yourself grace. Right? You, you've got to be willing to forgive yourself for your imperfections, if you did avoid a battle that in hindsight you should not have, beating yourself up further for not doing it serves no purpose other than to bring you further down. Mm -hmm. Give yourself grace. I recognize in that moment I avoided. Okay, what do you do with it now? Do you want to revisit the story and go back to that person? Do you want to say, okay, this is a learning, uh, learning spot for me and I will remember this. Now I have the knowledge and power for next time to say, okay, 
I avoided that conversation with so-and-so on this particular day. If we remember that much, I'm not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. So you got to give yourself grace. Give ourselves grace. So Darren, I know you're also, in addition to being the executive career coach and HR consultant, you're a sought-out keynote speaker. And you've recently spoken for SHRM. You've recently spoken for the Association of Talent Development. What are some of the key messages that you're sharing in your keynote presentations? So I do speak on positive intelligence. It really is. It, it really it has been the thing for me. So much so I think about life before and after PQ. Mm-hmm. And the main messages are one, be able to recognize when your saboteurs come to play, when you may be spinning or stuck on negative emotion and stop. Recognize it and stop. Two is, and of course this gets into the positive intelligence program is do some mental exercise, stop, pause, rest, do whatever you do. In the positive intelligence world, we call them PQ reps, which are mental exercises, which in a functional MRI switches the gray matter in your brain from negative side, which is left survivor brain to right side, which is our human conscious brain, positive emotion brain. So stop the negative emotion, do something to shift your brain energy, and then find a different perspective. Now, it doesn't mean just pick one out of thin air, but what could posit- what could happen if we take this different perspective, right? What is the positive that could come? What gift might come, right? Yes, I may be uncomfortable having this difficult situation, and what may come is they could be really appreciative that I'm giving them this feedback. I am no longer harboring the conversation of this grudge that I've been holding for two weeks. I'm respecting my friend and colleague Morag by saying, Morag, I'm not happy with you right now. <laughs> Those are the three main points. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, Darren, how can people learn more about you and the work that you do? I am the only Darren Canthal in the United States, lucky enough. Really? Our our last name is from Germany. And not a happy story, but my grandparents uh, defected Germany during uh, World War II, Jewish. And uh, there's a very small clan of us in the United States. I'm the only Darren Canthal. Uh, so easily you can find me on LinkedIn and my website is candidcareercoaching.com. All right. Well, Darren, I will make sure all of that information is in the show notes. I wish you every continued success and thank you for sharing the insights on positive intelligence. Thank you, Morag. Nice talking to you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.